No, that was Hess. They they did a movie about um, a guy getting convicted of war crimes. It was called The Man in the Glass Box or something like that. And they had to put him in a box so nobody would shoot him during the trial. Oh. And so he had to give his deposition from this in a courtroom. And it it was a fascinating movie, even though it only took place in a courtroom. And the guy was in a glass box. I say, have you seen In a Glass Cage? No. Oh man, it's on Tubi. You Somebody should. suggested I should see on a glass coffee table, but I refused. No, because I think a, it was a different kind of movie. In a glass cage is one of the few movies that I have ever told a potential guest, "No, we're not doing that." It can't be good. Yeah, about like a Nazi pedophile. That, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you who it was after this. I mean, it, it's an actual movie, and it is on lists of like. The most fucked up movies of all time. Yeah. But I had to be like, man, I really want to have you on, but I'm not doing that. That definitely like violates our just code of ethics. He's like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I completely understand that. Well, I had a tough time with Boxing Helena. I don't think I ever saw that. And you don't need to. No? No. Well, what is it? Oh, it's an art house movie, but it's about a, a doctor who cuts off this woman's arms and legs and kind of keeps her. Oh. That's what that boxing Helena. She fit in a box. Oh, no. Yeah. No. It was... That sounds fucking rough. It was, but it was so well filmed that I watched the whole thing. Granted, I was dating a girl who was really in... She took me to go see The Piano and then Boxing Helena. And, you know, if it was a movie... Right. She brought me to see it. So, so is it is it one of those that's like gory or it's just emotionally taxing it's like, em- Jesus emotionally Christ. taxing because the ideas behind it we don't you know granted this was many many years ago but i just remember again we talk about being unsettled during movies i was completely unsettled there was no gore there was no it was just the idea of what was happening was so off and so off-putting much like you. Oh, like uh, <laughs> yep, <laughs> like uh, uh, was it Wolf Creek where they do was it the head on a stick or whatever where mm-hmm. he like just fucking severs her spinal cord? Because I remember both of us being like, yeah, this movie's fine, but Jesus Christ, the oh. implications of that and it, it, that entire situation are just—it's one of the most disturbing things I've seen on film. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I I try never to ever think about that mm. except when you mention it. Oh. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the the themes alone were just ugh, horrific. Ah, good times, good times. So everybody, go watch Boxing Helena, mm-hmm. or don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're adults. Yeah, you, you make your own decisions. At least I hope so. If you're listening to this, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're- all right. Well, you're gonna are you gonna start us off. No, it's your fucking thing. All right. Did you not write down a year? No, I did not write down a year because I am brilliant like that. It was 2019. Well, I actually remembered something because I am medicated. All right. All right. Welcome to Horror Vomit, where we watch horror movies so you don't have to. Uh, I am James, one of your hosts, and this is... Jesus. That was a stuttery mess. Hey. My name is Chris Faffin. I'm the other one of your hosts. Thank you. That was We've, the... we've done this before. <laughs> well, you've done this before. Yep. Yep. I did not pay any attention whatsoever, as you can All tell. Right. Fucking. Let's so kick it in the ass. Skippy. Let's kick it let's right go. in the ass. We're talking about step on the accelerator. Pardon Get my Spanish. It has been a long time since I've used it. Head out on the highway. I researching for adventure and whatever comes our way. Just get on with it. Okay, we are reviewing La Llorona, directed by. Oh, this one's a tough one. Jairo Bustamante. Uh, the writers are, of course, Jairo Bustamante and Lissandro Sanchez. Um, Alma, or we got the cast. Alma was played by Maria Mercedes Coroy. Um, oh, my, I got to take off my glasses this for this one because I'm old. Unmitigated disaster. Absolutely. And Natalia was played by Sabrina De La Hose. Carmen was Margarita. I can't even... Kinefic. Did you even try that one? I haven't looked at any of this. Uh, this was your job, um, and you flubbed it hard. Hard. Uh, Valeriana hard. is Maria Telon, and Latona is 
Juan Pablo Oleschlager. So that was the cast, and uh, this movie was super, super, super good. But it was hard to get through. So, James, this movie is 96 minutes long. Yes. It feels like four and a half hours. Yes. It's very slow. But I could not. And it's very boring. What? That being said, it is a thousand percent my shit, and I loved almost every minute of it. I've complained about boring on so many of these movies. No point in this movie was I ever bored, not once. It's for a horror film, it is dull, but I loved it. Do you know? Okay, all right, before we get into a whole bunch of things, you know what this movie, and I don't know if structurally is the right word or tonally, do you know what this really reminded me of? No, do tell. Personal Shopper. It's very much not a horror movie until it is very much a horror movie. I didn't even think about that, but yes. Like, it's not it's not structured in the same way. It's not shot in the same way. Mm-hmm. But it has that quality to where, it, again, and a lot of people might find this boring, but it is not really a horror film. It is essentially watching an old man and woman lose their mind. I mean, I'm being very broad in this because we're yeah, at the super beginning broad. of this. Yeah. But... But there are essentially no horror elements to it until all of a sudden, bam, it is right in your goddamn face. And you go, oh, shit. Yes. Man, I fucking dug this movie hard. I did, too. And this is absolutely not my jam. Usually I complain about this. Yeah, I get it. It's tone. It's nice. But can they fucking move on with it at no point in this movie? But granted, I did pick this because we haven't touched on anything. Now, granted, you can't tell by my accent, but uh, my dad's from Mexico, and I, we never touched on anything cultural. We've never really touched on anything because there's not a lot, a lot of horror, you know, in that vein. So I was really excited to do this. So um, unfortunately, a lot of our listening base is much like me and very, very white. Yes. Would you care to explain the, I guess, the legend of La Llorona well, all, yeah. for us non-Latin well, I'll, folks? I will tell you, um, it's kind of complicated, but I'll tell you the straight-up, easy-to-understand version. Yep. The one that I heard. We don't have three hours, so yes. Right. Um, basically, a woman falls in love with a man above her station. Um, they get married, she gets pregnant, the man's abusive, and is just a big snot-rag asshole. And instead of letting her, him take the kids back, she drowns the children in the river and kills herself. Yes. Um, and it's like a boogeyman story. Like you, you better come home. You don't. You don't want La Llorona to get you. You know. You know. It's like it, it puts fear in it. But I also heard the stories when I was young that La Llorona was a protector. It's like because she was hurt, she will protect others that are being hurt. And that really came to play a lot in the movie. But the stories are all different depending on where you are in Latin America. Like, if you're in northern Mexico, La Llorona is this. If you're in southern Mexico, it's a little different. And it's all just little pieces of the same story, but it's all pretty much the same. And from the little bit that I have read in the past and just in a a brief uh, catch-up for this, it it boils down to... uh, I guess, like, uh, the backlash against the patriarchal society Mm -hmm. of Mexico in and of itself. And it's, like, an empowering figure for women. Well, not empowering, but you know what I mean. Yes, but you also have to understand that the patriarchal system didn't come into Mexico until... Until opposing forces came in, it was more of a tribal, etc. Yeah, where women the had, yeah. So when when Spain came in and invaded and you know colonized it, then the patriarchal system became there, and that's when you start hearing most of the stories. It started, I believe, fifteen. The earliest recorded story in Mexico or in Latin America was fifteen fifty. So, but it wasn't until the conquerors came that the idea of La Llorona. There were like a, a couple Indian. There are a couple like a native. Legends that are similar, but it's not the same. Right. Yeah. So, uh, right off the bat, um, I guess we should get into, I guess, uh, just kind of a bare bones, because this yeah. is, uh, and we've got another movie coming up in a few weeks that I think I have scheduled uh, that's kind of like this, that we talked about briefly off mic, but this is a very simple film. Mm-hmm. 
but it's very clean, if that makes sense. It's very precise in what it does. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it may seem a bit boring, but it's so intricate that it's one of those movies that I can like fixate on mm. and get really, really into what's going on. What does all of this mean? What is the symbolism here? What is the... I can really, really pick it apart. Mm -hmm. And man, loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. They but, layered the fuck out of the symbolism on this thing it is essentially regarding a, a general in guatemala is put on trial for genocide and is found guilty and then the guilty verdict is overturned and he is allowed to go back home and there are riots outside of his uh mansion yes that's pretty much the bare bones plot. And then, Absolutely. Uh, La Llorona is there to exact revenge for his sins, as you know, we kind of explained with the lore she's previously. Come, she's come to claim a death. Yes, she has come to collect. Indeed. So, this movie does something <laughs> that I really, really like. Hmm. This, uh, the, the general in this, mm -hmm. they just changed it. It's not the, the actual guy's name. What did you write down? The, the uh, his, his name was Efrain Arios Munt. Yes, was the actual person who perpetrated a lot of real genocides during the Guatemalan Civil War in, was it 81, 82? Yes, in fact, the, the biggest quote that I came out of that, reading that real quick, was that in a 30, the death toll of 36 years, half of it was the eight months that he was in office. Yes. Which is insane because there's a lot of unexplained deaths out there yeah so if he was the worst in 36 years and he did half of them but what this movie does is it it kind of mirrors real life mm -hmm. but it doesn't use the exact names and the exact events it's mm -hmm. using history as a jumping off point thematically similar but legally distinct yes and what it really bothers me, and I think the one that's bothered me the most since I've kind of seen shit like this pop up, was there is a film called uh, like The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Ew. About the yeah the Sharon Tate yeah, and I don't like that. It sounds where, cheap and exploited. Well, but... yeah, when you're using real life tragedy to like mm -hmm. capitalize on and then change history so that somebody got you know yeah. their just desserts i mean i guess inglorious bastards does that but it does it in a more playful way because i i don't think we're gonna get many chucks out of this episode because there is not a damn thing funny about this movie and, and i appreciated that they didn't attempt to put in light humor to change the tone they just said hey wallow in this shit yeah but by changing the names and slightly the events, it, it gives us a conversation that we can have rather than, exp I don't know, like exploiting or I don't want to say aggrandizing, but like the real perpetrators of these horrible fucking crimes. Right. But also if we take a look at it, because they're using um, a fictionalized version of events that happen. Yes. There's nobody to argue, well, that didn't happen. That could have happened. That might happen. This is the only documented. No, they take all of that away. It's a fictionalized account of somebody like this, which means that we're free to not have arguments or preconceived notions about it, which brings me even and even further. Mm -hmm. So where the fuck do we want to start with this movie? Because, man. I Well, I will start with one of, one of the things that dragged me into this movie because I, I initially I, I again I went into this knowing nothing but the legend yes nothing about it and I thought the first 10 minutes I was like oh, I don't know I mean I it was beautifully filmed and I love the shots every oh, shot technically speaking yeah. this movie's brilliant and it, one of the things that I, I just want to say real quick about this movie I don't know what the budget was but I feel like we see every single cent that was spent on this movie on the screen it looks gorgeous but we can also tell where they kind of might not have also had money, but they still made the attempt to make it look good. Well, they, they say there's no like real, um, in Guatemala, there's no real film industry. There's no government funding for films. There's no production companies. So they say if the artists want to make a film, they pool their money and they make that film. So if that's the only way you can make that film, it better be a passion project. So that's why we see everything up there. And that's why we get these performances because the people who are performing, I guarantee, probably cough money not to be in it, but to help make this amazing thing happen. Yeah. It's so good. 
And even on scenes where really nothing is happening, it's so visually which, arresting that you can't not watch it. Which, to be fair, in most scenes, not a lot is happening. Again, this is a very dull movie, and it's one of those where... Nothing like, is happening, but everything is happening. Exactly. It's all in your interpretations and how you're reading uh, facial cues, mm-hmm. how you're reading you know, body language, how you're reading into how the characters are interpreting the events that are happening, which is something that obviously we're going to touch on. But anyway, within the first 10 minutes, one of the things that dragged you in, sorry, we got okay, off no, on a well, tangent. No, there's, there's fine. Um, first of all, the actor who they picked to play this, this dictator looks just fucking like the real dictator. Uh-huh. Like, just fucking like It's him, eerie as shit. Which I just found out, what, five minutes ago. But no, what really drew, drew, drew me in the movie is... Um, my wife is a, a social worker that specializes in um, dementia. So I know a lot about dementia. Yeah, that came in handy when we did uh, Deborah Logan. And Indeed, it did. Um, I know a lot about dementia. And um, the fact that you could tell that he was, his, the, the actor must have either been prior military or had some training or made the choice because he, proper trigger protocol. He was holding the gun properly like an old man with dementia because he had the shuffle steps and he had to ready himself, but he knew how you could tell he knew how to use that weapon. And then I was like, wow. And then all of a sudden, bang, he tries to, tries to shoot his wife. Yeah. It's like, did you hear the woman crying? Did you hear the woman crying? And I was, I was fucking in. And that's such a good fucking shot. And it's something that this movie does over and over and over again Mm -hmm. is it leads us to believe that we're watching a horror shot because when his wife walks in, she looks like a fucking ghost. Yes. And he shoots at it and she disappears. She ducks down and you clearly see her duck down. But there's that moment in your head where there's no fucking way because she doesn't pop up right away. Right. Other people come into the scene, Mm -hmm. into the shot and kind of don't acknowledge her. They don't look at her. Right. Oh, yeah. And it makes, it really gave me that feeling of just like, fuck, was that a ghost? Was that, a, and then it's dispelled immediately. They do it later again when uh, Alma is yeah. getting uh, her hair blown with the hair dryer and she's sitting yes. straight up and her hair is just straight outward. And it looks like a fucking ghosty horror shot. Yes. And then we just see the hair dryer. Man. Hmm. And that's what I loved is that. There's always the hint of the supernatural, but they always dispel it mm-hmm. until they fucking don't. <laughs> and well, and what kills me too, and, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but um, it took me a moment to realize that that was his wife. Yes. Because she was so visibly different. You know, she was very put together with the proper dress, very, very proper stature. When she walked, she walked regally. I mean, everything about her. And when we saw her, she was kind of shuffling off and... and hair down and i didn't realize how long it was because it was up and i'm like it took me a minute to realize that that was his wife so the 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 way the choices that they make on screen you can tell they have inhabited these roles for so long that they can really push them through because who you would think even you could usually tell somebody different with their hair up or down but her physicality was different the the manner of her face that just the way she mm-hmm. looked was completely different. And in those dream sequences at the end, I it took me a second to realize that that was definitely her mm-hmm. because they were calling her by a different name or well, by the name of the, was it the maid? There's yeah. There's sometimes with the characters where I got a little bit confused as to who they were. Well, you could tell like, and this is well, one of the things that tipped I, me off. I'll tell you later. I said, well, no, I'm just saying like, I almost took that as culturally as the families would act different, especially if they were in the military family in Guatemala. Because I thought, like, obviously it ends up that his daughter is his doctor, but I thought she was also like a press secretary. It took me a minute to realize that that was, in fact, his wife, daughter, and granddaughter Mm -hmm. because of the strange relationship that they all had between not only themselves but him. Right. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean... Well, we got to talk about the difference between... You know, aristocratic convention in Latin America and we'll call it peasant tradition. Yeah. It's completely different. Um, like, if I'm aristocratic, I won't just talk to you. I will talk around you and maybe in about half an hour we'll get to whatever point we're getting to even with that. But my demeanor outside of the house represents everything that I am. In fact, that was instilled in me and when I was a kid. We don't act right just to act right. We act right because that's how people see Marinos. And you better act right. 
So that whole thing of when they're out and looking, they, they have a certain air about them, and when they're home, they take that air off, which is really lends to the culture. I mean, obviously, this movie was made in Guatemala, Guatemala by Guatemalans, so they're going to have all this cultural stuff that we may or may not pick up. But they broadened it so much that they made it they made it uh, accessible to even if you weren't raised that way, even if you're not sure of the conventions. It's accessible, and I, I don't know how they did that. Well, one of the big themes of this film, I, I thoroughly believe, is seeing these people who for years have lived in this wealth and luxury mm-hmm. now being trapped inside of this wealth and luxury mm-hmm. and it becoming essentially their own prison because they have all the money that they could ever want and all the desires of the home that they could ask for. Mm-hmm. They can't go anywhere under threat of death. Mm-hmm. And it's just very interesting to watch. Um, Especially uh, the daughter, mm-hmm. because the daughter very much carries herself, like you were saying, aristocratically. Yeah. But you can watch her start to question why she is the way that she is. Mm-hmm. Because, again, seeing the way that she speaks to people, mm-hmm. and then in any scenes where she's alone with her mother, saying, like, you know what dad did. Right. Because she was little and saw all this happening but didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And now that it's all coming to light through these trials and through the news broadcasts, mm-hmm. she's starting to question everything about how she gained the stature that she did, mm-hmm. but she's still upholding it right. because she feels that internal need to still be the person that she is right. rather than accept that, you know, uh, well, maybe these natives that are our, our help mm-hmm. are also people. You mean they're not all whores? Yeah. And we watch her slowly come to that realization. And I guess uh, the wife, the older wife and mother does the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. We watch her descend from this, you know, high on the hill position in life to being one of the most hated people in the country that everyone outside of her home wants dead. And just watching those transformations as people and kind of realizing that their entire life has been this gigantic lie. Mm -hmm. But the mother knew and the daughter didn't so much. And then watching the granddaughter be pulled into a fight that is literally nowhere near hers. Oh, absolutely. She was born into this life, and people want her dead simply because of who she is. And Mm -hmm. watching that growth in characterization is also just... And what I like about it, too, is you're talking about generational differences. The mother knew, never said anything. The daughter maintained cognitive dissonance. Yes. Okay. As the events unfolded and it's more and more pushed to the front, the, the mother still is pushing it down. Yes, this happened, but no, he's got dementia. It's not happening, even though it did happen. The and younger she's one. still very much talking down to uh, the, uh, yeah. the help, the natives that are acting as maids. Absolutely. Because when he walks in and is staring at Alma in the shower, you know, and she starts yelling, she assault, or he assaulted me. Afterwards, she walks up and says, as of tomorrow, you'll no longer be wearing your uniform. You wear your, it's too tight on you. You'll wear your own gown. Yep. So it's not not like, hey, I'm so sorry, it was your fault. Yeah, she's tempting my husband because her clothes were too tight. Mm-hmm. Because he's always liked to chase women. She should know better. And then we take a look at the daughter, who as this is unfolding, is losing her ability to go, well, it wasn't that bad. No, it was that bad. And the granddaughter knows from jump, like, oh, no, that's fucked up. Yeah, and it's... Kind of like the arc in the other direction of wondering, you know, why are people being mean to my grandfather mm-hmm. and then slowly learning and coming to also hate him, or not hate him, I guess, because she never outwardly like shows contempt. Yeah, but she never outwardly shows affection either. No. And she it like, basically is learning, like understanding who he is. Because it looks like in, in, in the realm of where they are and where they're at or their little world is he, he's like an enigma. He's just like a. He's just like an object. You know, it's like, I am the general. He probably never anything but the general around, even his family. Yes. So, you know, Sarah's got n- nothing to go, hey, 
that's my grandpa. I love my grandpa. Or I hate my grandpa. That's just like the rocking chair in the living room. That's my grandpa. Yeah. So now she's hearing, oh, my God, my grandpa was a monster. Yeah. Because I believe at one point they say that uh, they they give a death toll mm-hmm. for how many people he is supposedly killed in this genocide. And it was, uh, what was it, like 36 or 38% of all the victims were under 12 years old yes. or something. And that's, again, one of those things that this movie does not shy away from is they show the daughter watching these news reports and whether she ever really knew or mm-hmm. chose to ignore it, like you were saying, the cognitive dissonance. And then yeah, coming to realize that this was bigger than maybe I had ever even stopped to think about because she is a doctor mm-hmm. and they still hate her. You know, and you know, makes you, makes you think it's like, well, yeah, well, my dad was involved in some killings. It was a war. These things happen, you know, civilians get killed and then all of a sudden you get the number and how old these people were and non-combatants and all of a sudden see because there's a way you can make that work in your head if you need it to yep until that point and you watch and especially when you're shrouded in the kind of luxury that she is and it's a slow push a slow push it's not like this giant hey my dad was a douchebag no it was a slow slow push but the, because it was so slow, it became very deep, mm-hmm. and that's what I love about when I don't. I, I, this is I don't watch too many uh, Latin films. I used to read a lot of like Latin novels, but they're fantastical. Um, feels almost real when they talk about it. So like we're talking about some like ghosts or anything. Well, ghosts. It's like talking about Fred the neighbor. There's no real differentiation. It's not like these things don't exist or this. You know, it's as real as Fred the neighbor. So it's fantastical, but lived in. And, and I think this movie did a lot of that. That's what one of the other things that I wanted to talk about was I know in a lot of movies, you especially have talked about how uh, either a movie can feel inhabited or not. Yes. God damn. And one of the things that I think is really brilliant when I was talking about how it's very simple and very clean, mm-hmm. we're not shown a lot outside of this house. No, not at but all. The information that we are given opens up the entire world to us to where we know exactly what's happening mm-hmm. and we can watch the results of that happening inside of this microcosm as it affects this family mm-hmm. because there are so many tense moments inside of this house because there's constantly a crowd outside. And that, again, the sound design, we talked about this in other movies, but the constant chanting, 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 and even if you don't speak Spanish, it's unsettling. But if you are, listen to it, like, we are here for peace. We are here for peace. We are a peaceful folk. We are a peaceful folk. But there will be no peace until justice is served. So basically, they're declaring war is what they're saying. And we are hearing it constantly. So, yeah. uh, I mean, there's a few times where we don't. But, I mean, we're essentially hearing chanting in the background of every single one of these scenes. It's very pervasive throughout the movie to where we don't get a break from it as well right. as the viewer. So can you imagine being these people and all you can hear, we're here for peace, but there will be no peace until justice is served. Yeah, they're constantly, outside constantly. telling this man that he's a genocidal murderer 24 hours a day. Yep, and anybody in that house who had, may have doubted it before. Oh, and that was interesting. I don't know if you noticed this, but I had to rewind it to check. Remember when they first started panning out, like after the flyers fell? Yes. And it first started panning out when the people are holding the flyers. Uh Uh-huh. A lot of them, this is before we are shown the other stuff, but a lot of them have very similar features to the, it looks like their actual family of the people they're holding, which I thought was an amazing thing. It's like, they're holding these things, they either cast people and took pictures of their mom to hold up, or they found people that look like people on the pictures. It was ridiculous. I was like, they put that much thought into it. I didn't notice that. That's incredible. Go back and see. It's not, it's not obvious. But, Okay. Me having 0% uh, Latin heritage, if I had to look at them and like, ah, oh, they all look the same. How about I not do that? <laughs> well, I, I, I've often said the same thing, so. <laughs> right, but I mean, if I say it, that's a no-no, but you said it, so I'm going to say, that's incredible. <laughs> but. Ah, <laughs> oh, we found a chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> racism. Whew. Sweet, sweet racism. <laughs> mm. Ah, uh, well, I'll tell you another story. I don't like. <laughs> mm, like cream cheese frosting. <laughs> yummy, yummy. 
Uh, one of the other things that I thought was, in, it makes it kind of a prescient film, is watching all of these old and visibly evil power structures. And I don't want to say like remain in power, but when everybody, we can clearly see that these old evil power structures should be crumbling, Mm -hmm. but they're not because there's always a system in place to keep those structures alive and well Mm -hmm. by all rights that I'm not saying they should have been killed, but yeah, the general should have been in prison, his entire family taken out of said mansion, and they should not be having this luxury. But again, the, well, the genocide trial was overturned. Mm-hmm. And there's on a news report we hear that there are people praising this decision, saying that it was a... Uh, it was the right thing to do because there was no documentation of genocide. And mm-hmm. I mean, we are clearly shown the opposite. And it, I'm not saying exact, it's not a one to one, but just looking at the, uh, I guess, current president of the United States, uh, although a slight upgrade from the previous, it's still all these old power structures that aren't working that continue to be propped up. Mm-hmm. And. W- when they should absolutely be being dismantled by the citizenry. That's right. Uhuru. And again, that it's one of those constant themes because we constantly hear protesters outside of the well, home. Well, I mean, if you think about the history of Latin America, I mean, we can go, I can go 50 miles below California or Arizona right now and have a lot of these same things happen. Now, they're not, they're not generals, they're warlords. Right. You know, but I, the, further, the further south you go, all the way down, when you get away from any of the populated areas, that is still happening and it's never not going to happen until something significant, significant changes. And they've tried or and tried until and tried. it happens. Yeah. And, <laughs> and and, it's... But again, it's a continuation of the theme. And any time that you have poor people, this is what's going to happen. Well, if you have no resources... Well, and I guess just the disparity of resources, because again, in the way that this film is shot, not only is it obvious that, you know, like they have a mansion, obviously he was a fucking warlord general, but they make it a point to show how luxurious this mansion is. Well, look at the counterpoint of the maid's quarters. Exactly. Okay. The counter, opulent house, and then this very simple room with... Look like they just beds. yeah. It looks like they made them out of pallets from the backyard for the help. Yep. And again, again, we're talking about classism. And right at the beginning, writ large, when uh, when we get one of our first horror elements and all the uh, native uh, maid staff and you know employees leave mm-hmm. because they recognize the evil forces that are there. And it, again, it's not an outright horror element. See, and again. But- I, I, I would argue that they just watched this crazy dude try to cap his wife. Would you stay and work? The guy's got a fucking arsenal in his room. Yeah, that's fair. So I didn't, I didn't, what I loved about this is they set it up in your head. Like you can, it can be super supernatural or it could just be plain Jane because it's not explained. It's not shown. You might know, you might know all of the stuff behind it. But, for example, when the tap went on, the, and mm-hmm. any other movie, that would have been the sign. But they were like, oh, it happens a lot because the electricity or whatever is bad here. Yeah, again, it was kind of like that personal shopper thing where all mm-hmm. of a sudden we, uh, she's wandering through that house and the uh, tub turns on. And she just goes and turns it off. And right. it wasn't a big deal. Right. Yeah, it's a, that anticlimactic thing that really grabs me right by the fucking, in the guts and goes, mm, mm, you son of a bitch. And how many times could they have cheaped out and jump scared? There's a million chances for jump scares in this movie and they did not cheapen it out. They did not go for the cat jumping out of the fridge or nothing. They and, just And again, that's where a lot of people might find this dull and boring because I will agree, it's, if you're just surface watching it and you're on your phone and you're fucking around and whatever else, this is going to, this movie's going to suck. But if you pay attention actively watch this film yeah god the rewards are just incredible all i went into this movie figuring i i need three days to watch a movie you know like a half hour i want to steal up and then i'll rewatch 15 minutes and go 45 and then you know this movie i i don't know if it's just me 
but I couldn't not watch this movie. I don't care if they literally just sat there and read the back of the cereal box for the movie and stared at each other. It was so visually arresting. The sound was so amazing. Everything about this, I, I did not care. But the fact that they imprinted this amazing story on top of it with all of these layers that aren't apparent, it, it's just it's brilliant. I mean, just can you imagine having the kind of brain that could come up with something like that and make it happen on screen? I, I'm just, wow. Yeah. Dude. Oh. All right. Um, one of the shots that I thought was absolutely amazing is after the general, uh, the uh, decision is overturned and he's returning from the hospital. Mm-hmm. When they're in the back of that ambulance to bring him back into the house... It's one of the most tense things that I've seen in a very long time because it's just the old general who seems completely ambivalent towards everything that is going on. He is just laying in this stretcher, smoking a cigarette. And they're like, all right, well, it's time to put the, uh, the bulletproof vest on. And they have to drive through this crowd of protesters. And they keep telling everyone, oh, no, it's just a peaceful protest. It's a peaceful protest. And again, we're talking about the sound design of shit hitting the sides of this van or ambulance, whatever they're Mm -hmm. riding in. It's so goddamn tense that, like, and especially seeing his wife and his daughter and uh, the granddaughter's at the house. She's not with them. But as soon as that door flings open for them to bring him into the house, a balloon of blood hits the wall of this ambulance and splatters the daughter in the face. I know. And it was one of those, like, did I... Did somebody just get fucking shot? But no, it was just animal blood that they were throwing because, again, that dichotomy of these savages, these peasants, these every other awful word that you could call them that are throwing rocks through their windows, they never hurt anybody. Right. They're only throwing shit at the home of this fucking murderer. Right. And it's at that, again, that level of just the. The disdain for this lower class that mm-hmm. did nothing to anyone while they have gained this opulence and wealth through just absolute destruction. And, and think about it. They disdain the one thing that gave them all that money, the populace of the area. So they have this disdain for the fact that they subjugated these people to get their money. So the only way that they can be okay with it is by dehumanizing them in their head. That's just like when you're in the military— and you're going to fight uh, Afghani soldiers. They call them hajis. Why? Because a haji's not a person. It's a name. Mm-hmm. It's an idea. Charlie. It's Charlie. It's whatever. And that's that's the only way these people can continue to do these things by dehumanizing the populace. That's why she calls them all the women are whores. Yep. But if you know anything about most of those Latin American countries, they're highly, highly, highly religious people. You know, obviously, they run all different kinds, but and a general rule, they're super religious. I don't know one Mexican home that I've ever been to that doesn't have a shrine to Mary or or something, you know, where everybody goes. So Or El Diablo. Well, there's that, too. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. This, But I'll tell you, when did you first, uh, when was the first thing that clocked you to, oh, my God, it's really supernatural? When, where was that point? Uh, just knowing what La Llorona was. Uh, for me, because I was still going back and forth in my head. Supernatural, not super, Is this all going to be, I'm I mean, crazy? Or? If I'm watching a, a Shudder, orig- I don't know if it's an original or exclusive. I think it's an exclusive. But yeah, I'm watching this movie on Shudder with the tagline, The past will haunt you, and the cover art's a fucking ghost. I know, but... I, I expect that there is going to be supernatural elements. Again, the way it's filmed is very brilliant and yeah. kind of... Uh, putting that off right but i knew it was coming <laughs> well see i I'm, i have this amazing ability to completely suspend my disbelief completely so i'm in the film so I, I i didn't even get that extra layer of hey wow it's like wow there's nothing supernatural happening what nothing there's no clue as to real supernatural my first like when i sit there and, and i was like oh this is going to be a super horror movie is when she was dreaming in another language Mm. She wasn't dreaming in Guatemalan Spanish. She was dreaming in whatever. Uh, was it Mayan 
I don't I don't know how ish, to say the, ish panic or something. I or, say I don't know how to say the last part of that. It's like I X I L or something. Would it be East, that would be Eastly or Eastly. I again I don't know. I'm, well, um, I'm not going to speak out of turn. No, and but be I, offensive. no. The reason I know this is because I I've heard uh, Yaki spoken like the language Yaki spoken because I got some family out there. And um, it sounded real similar. It was a lot of vowels and real harsh consonants. And it was very different from Spanish. I'm like, how the fuck is she dreaming in this language? <gasps> She's getting visions. She's seeing what happened and, and actually hearing in the language that Alma would have heard it in. And one of the things that I thought was really brilliant, too, is did you notice they never subtitled the Mayans? There was always an interpreter. And obviously there were subtitles when it was in uh, Spanish or Guatemalan dialect of Spanish. But the I, Mayans never had any subtitles. I didn't even notice that because it flowed so naturally. Yes. Wow, this movie's fucking ridiculous. Uh-huh. Wow. And again, I don't know if that is... Uh, I would think that that would be the choice of either the studio or the filmmaker for exporting it to English or other... Mm-hmm. Uh, other languages but i thought that was very interesting that at no point did we get uh subtitles for the uh mayan natives you know what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna go back and take off like the the actual subtitles and watch the movie subtitles i don't like, know if you or can. watch it without subtitles to i don't see know if you can because mm-hmm. uh subtitles uh i usually turn on closed captions mm-hmm. on movies Especially since Shudder just got the ability to do that, which, thank you, Shudder. Love yes. you, Shudder. Because I watch most of these movies on my phone. It's a, it's a godsend, yeah. Yes. Um, and for the longest time, Shudder never had a closed caption option. But on this, it didn't. It was just automatically subtitled into oh, English. Drag. I, well, I'm thinking it's just because it was regionally coded that way. Mm. But, yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's an, interest, that's an interesting idea, too. Yeah, so we never really have any idea of what some of the characters are actually well, saying. Th- thematically, in... they don't have a voice. Exactly. They do that's not have a voice. A, yes. Oh, fucking brilliant. Mm. Wow, just chef's kiss. Mwah. Yeah, this was a film that I've been meaning to watch for, like I was telling you earlier, about a year. A uh, couple of the dudes... Oh, Christ, from... am I turning into that guy? No, a couple of the dudes from uh, uh, Cracked, I listened to some of their podcasts, yeah. and they did it about a year ago, and I hadn't seen it, so it was one that I didn't really like super like listen to or pay attention to, mm-hmm. but I was like, man, that sounds really, really good. I should get around to that, and I never did. And then when you brought it up, it was the, immediately like, oh, fuck yeah, I'll watch La Llorona. I am so glad that we did. Me too. Because <laughs> it's an incredible film. Well, this was, I knew absolutely nothing about this movie, and now that I've heard about it, I mean, he got Oscar buzz, all kinds of shit. I don't even, I didn't watch the Oscars this year, but I don't know. He could have gotten something for all I know. Not a clue. Probably not because it was no, 2019. Oh, it was yeah. three years ago. <laughs> well, it did get some Oscar buzz though. But I mean, man, I can't stress enough that if you're not the kind of person that can like sit down and actually pay attention and watch a movie and doesn't need jump scares and action every 10 seconds, this movie is so worth the time investment. Uh, again, I am that person, and I sat through this whole fucking movie. It was amazing. I, again, we haven't really talked about any of the horror elements because there really aren't any because a lot of them, like we've talked about, are more perceived mm-hmm. than uh, are, I don't want to say blatant or flagrant, but right. yeah, a lot of it is in the tone and how mm-hmm. it's shot and well, exactly. the facial cues of the characters themselves. Because the when the mother starts having those dreams where she's being dragged off, because they, they do, what, three different dream sequences? Mm-hmm. Until they kind of like uh, clear up that storyline, for lack of a better term, storyline. Yeah. But the first one, when she pees, because she yes. pees the bed, and just watching this dignified woman's face and kind of like knowing but not wanting to recognize the horror that she's feeling not only that but think about it everything has to do with water it's mm-hmm. a symbolic she brought water to the bed yes. she cannot get away from the water the water is with her and she out of all the women in this movie she was the one that was most culpable oh, easily <laughs> and also we want to talk about another subplot of sarah the granddaughter and her relationship with Alma. And now, do you know Alma means soul? Uh, kind of, because uh, 
when I first bought, I think it was a PS3 way hmm. back in the day. I think I got, was it Fear 3 and the, like the little girl who's all the, the scary part of that game. Because, hmm. you know, the first thing I bought was a horror game. Of course yeah. you did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, her name was Alma. And I was like, that's a odd. I've never heard that before. And well, Alma means with soul or your soul. Yeah. And so I thought that was an interesting idea. But um, considering she's the soul of the people, the people that are oppressed. Which is a nice name for that. But um, notice how she's teaching Sarah to hold her breath and count underwater. And won't save her if she doesn't come up. Because that's not what she does. Nope. <laughs> but she's teaching her to hold it. And she, Sarah even brought the oxygen. Stole her grandfather's oxygen mask to stay under the water. Mm-hmm. And it was like she, Alma is trying to make sure that no matter what. That Sarah stays safe. Because Sarah is not culpable in this mess. She is not part of... She's part of this family, but not part of this family. And she's being protected by the water instead of haunted or hurt by the water. Which leads into the... We should probably talk about how this ends. Because I (sighs) loved the ending of this film. Oh, it was fucking brilliant. Because it was so unceremonious. Mm -hmm. It was just a... I don't want to say like a mic drop. Because that makes it sound far more exciting than it was. But like... Man, it really got to me. Uh, it did too, because I didn't see it coming, number one. I knew that something was going to happen, but I didn't know that was going to happen. So what happens is you had mentioned that she steals, Sarah steals her grandfather's oxygen tank, mm-hmm. and she is under the water. Yes. Now, the general grabs his pistol. Oh, and shoots. I forgot about that. And wanders out and sees Sarah in the tank, but sees Alma. Right. And starts shooting at her and says, there's a gorilla under that water. Again, this is not the first time that he has pulled a gun Mm -hmm. and shot at someone. This is not the first time that he has done things that are, how do we want to say, characteristic of Alzheimer's or Alzheimer's related. Mm -hmm. He's kind of out of it, but they're not actual symptoms of Alzheimer's? Actually, no. um, Hallucinations, um, audio and visual hallucinations are very, very common. Okay. Um. Extreme anger for frustrations that they can't talk about turn into anger, turn into um, lashing out, that kind of thing. So that characterization was right on base. Right, but there was another part where I think it was, uh, I forget the daughter's name. That's why I keep calling her the daughter. The daughter was not Natalia. Was it Natalia? It doesn't matter. Or Carmen. But um, she says something about how one of the things that he does was in uh, inconsistent with uh alzheimer's symptoms again i can't figure out what it was but like he was showing this certain characteristic that didn't match that that didn't what they said didn't quite make sense i I think she was trying what it sounded like she was trying to say was that his symptoms aren't pervasive enough for them to to classify him as Alzheimer's. but but what it does is plants that seed of possession Mm -hmm. or some sort of supernatural force because Again, we're shown his mental decline, but oh. there's this action that takes place that is uncharacteristic with said mental decline. But anyway, no, I got you, but I, I see what you're saying. No, yes, I was, I was, I was on board with the possession at that moment. Um, again, even with the Alzheimer's presenting, because of the way that they presented it to us, it was like we were seeing what he was seeing, and and. Most Alzheimer's, from what I understand, most Alzheimer's hallucinations are of family or friends or, you know, cousin Fred that irritated you 30 years ago. But it's not going to be a new person that's in your life because you can't process that if it's if your dementia is getting worse. So, hi, you're our new help. Okay, good. Hi, you're our new help. Oh, okay. You know, there'll be that. But to see a face that pervasive in a hallucination from somebody that wasn't from your past is a definite sign of possession if we're looking at it movie-wise. Right. So he shoots at what he perceives to be Alma, and it is Sarah in the pool. Mm-hmm. Shoots her in the arm and grazes her. They have to sedate him. Mm-hmm. But at this point, all the women in this family, because it's also brought up that the maid may also be the daughter's half-sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this, there's so much that we're not going to be able to touch on because there's a lot to this film. But, but also take a look at the idea of Latin culture and the idea of a mistress. Right. But yeah. all right, I'm, tr- I'm trying no, to get, th- I'm sorry, <laughs> get through this. So 
they go to the maid, the native, because she's been kind of hinting at, guys, this isn't a, a, a medical issue. This is a, a dark forces. Are, I think she even says black magic at mm-hmm. one point. They sedate him, and she says, bring lots of candles and sugar. Mm-hmm. And she starts to do the ritual. And all the while, outside, we are seeing a growing collection of uh, native peoples. Mm-hmm. Signifying, oh. again, all the m- murders that he was responsible for. Yep. So they are doing the a ritual around... Uh, these candles while the general lies sedated hard cut to funeral Mm -hmm. again it's so unceremonious but it was fucking perfect for the tone of this film Mm -hmm. and and again it gave the mother a chance to atone yes because uh, the maid possible half sister is saying please spirits we're begging of you no one else in this house was responsible all of these souls are innocent, even though there could be an argument made for the, the mother. mother. Yeah. But she, I guess, uses whatever powers of this spell to uh, save the entire family. And again, that just that but again, thought it, of the people of this stature needed the help of these people that they mm. have looked down their nose at. But also, again, we take a look at the possession because... How did how did he end up dying? She strangled the fuck out of him. Uh-huh. Strangled the fuck out of sedated boy, and no no affect on her face, no hate, no no crying, no nothing. Just on him, two thumbs on the carotid, and the the choking was right. They actually had it right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, holy shit! But she's just choking the living fuck out of him, and I I was as, as an ending as a denouement or whatever. You know, it just it really hits you right in the feels. You're just like, holy shit. And everything else, and and there were hints. There were hints to her, um, the uh, maid's um, connection to the supernatural because of the um, the spacing of the candles that she had on her dresser, and oh. the pictures. The everything. When Alma first gets there, and yeah. they're going to bed, we see Alma climb up on the top bunk of these quarters. Yes. And uh, I forgot. There's no way I'm going to be able to pronounce that maid's name. It was something very Mayan no. that I'm going no, to. No, it's Valeriana, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Then who was the one that was like, because it kept coming up that there was a name. Yeah, that... but that was Alma's real name, wasn't it? Maybe. I think uh, yeah, something was, yeah. You said it, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, no, um, but she climbs up on the top bunk. We see Valeriana fall asleep, and then the hair drops down. Oh, that fucked with me. But it holds on it. Mm. Nothing supernatural happens. No, and, and it's attached to the neck. It's not like a floating head. It's not like a. It's just a freaky looking thing. Yeah, it's just her leaning over a fucking bunk bed. Right, but it's framed so Man, weirdly. We talk but, about unsettling again. Yes, the lighting, the candles, the uh, the lack of lighting. Right. It's. Because we, I was unsettled by the dinginess in a couple of the films, right? You know, it was just hor- the the houses were just horrific, and you could feel the creeping grunge on you. Yes, spotless, beautiful, opulent house, unsettling. How did they do it with light, with shadow, with movement? And and I was just as unsettled by the just creepy details. There were no details. It was well, I mean, there were details, but it was all fancy, brand new stuff. Mm-hmm. I still felt unsettled and they did it and they didn't have to like when you were talking about the part when they were in the van other movies doon, 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 they'd have like music to get you in that mood they didn't they no, it was nothing almost deafeningly silent but with the sound of their uh, yeah. vehicle being pummeled by rocks or signs or and anytime I don't know if you've ever been in a, a place that was like I, I was in an area that almost went into a riot and there's a feeling that that's just with the whole crowd. And the, when they first start hitting the side of the van, it's a light. Then it's, and, and it grows and grows and grows just like the fury of a crowd. And that's what unsettled me because I've felt that before. And they captured it with just the pounding on the side of a van. They just creep, ratcheted up that freaked out factor. And they never did it cheaply. They never did it with mood music. They never did it with 
you know, I'll, I'll call it, you know, cheap emotional things that you can do in movies to make you feel slight, little, subtle, but constant. It's just the constant subtleties. It, one of the things also, if we're going to talk about subtleties that I really enjoyed was the lack of dialogue from the general himself. He barely ever spoke. He mm-hmm. was the, just that quiet, looming evil. Again, you he can, was an entity. Yes. Not a person. He was an entity. He was a figure. But we could also like look at him and see a man who will never admit what he's done, mm-hmm. but knows it. He knows why all those people are there. Mm-hmm. He'll deny it publicly. But he knows deep down what... He knows what he did, yeah. to put it stupidly, but like, it's. It, but watching him also not care. Yeah. Be completely apathetic to. Yeah, I did these things essentially. Yeah. Fuck you. Sue what me. You gonna, yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. I'm untouchable. I was already tried for genocide. Yeah, come come at me. Yeah, fuck, fuck you. I was just thinking the only, the only shot that I didn't care for in this whole movie, and it, it was just me, I don't know, it might be a personal thing. But when um, she was coming back from the pool and she was walking through that corridor slowly, just kind of shuffling. Which she? There's oh, I'm a lot sorry, of Alma. Okay. When Alma came in from the pool and she's still dripping and she's just kind of shuffling. Was that when the general was watching her in the pool at night? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I, I thought that shot was just, A, I didn't, we didn't need it, and B, it, was just, it looked like too many other movies and it looked forced. It was the only thing in this movie to me but, that looked forced. But again, it was cementing that... Uh, a constant theme of water, I think. Right, but I didn't need the shuffling. It looked like the ring or it looked like three or four other shots that I'd seen before. And everything else in this movie looked new to me. It didn't look like it was from anything and that looked like it was from something. I think it pulled me out just for two seconds and it's not even a bad grab because it's a great shot. It just, for the, everything else, it was just like the one weak part of this movie which would have been a strong part of a different movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm nitpicking because this movie was so good and we've never not nitpicked I felt the need to a little bit. So. Yeah. Uh, like I said, man, the only thing that I could say is this is slow, but it's kind of what I dig about it because it gets you right in the heads of every single one of the characters that we see on screen. There's very little fat on this. Yes. It's it's short, it's precise, and it's, mm, it's so goddamn good. You know how like, sometimes I'll tell you I have to make a bunch of different movies out of a movie to keep it interesting for me? I was thinking the exact same thing. I was like, man, I bet you James is either losing his mind or really digging this. I'm love, I love the fact that I only watched one movie. I didn't have to say, well, maybe if from this point of view this or this point of view this. Or, you know, I didn't have to say, wow, this movie would have been cool if. Mm-hmm. Or what would happen if they did this? No, I, they grabbed me by the fucking nostrils and pulled me very slowly through this amazing story. Yeah, and it's... Like we were talking about with all the old power structures that very much should be dismantled, this literal war criminal, yeah, is being protected by police. Of course. That's who the, uh, like their personal bodyguard is constantly in contact with the police outside. Right. Giving them orders. Well, yeah, because the military runs the police. Exactly. But it's a man who's no longer in power, mm-hmm. but there's still structures holding him up. And at one point, yeah, the personal bodyguard, when shit starts getting thrown through their windows, radios in and says, no, tear gas them, tear gas them all. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, well, just, if man, you take a look at the... Uh, shit don't change, and it's the same everywhere. I was going to say, I'm not going to make a blanket statement about all of Latin America. But my own personal knowledge of, let's say, police in Mexico, they don't make shit. They make nothing. So if the government says, hey, we're going to pay you guys all 50 bucks a head and we're going to have to tear bass and clear this area out, it's going to happen. Because mm-hmm. 50 bucks a lot of fucking money. And I'm just lobbing tear gas because the police are obviously in the pocket of whoever has money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they don't shy away from any of it. In fact, I like the fact that this is a very political piece. Oh, man. (laughs) Very political piece. But even if you're not interested in politics, even if you don't care one way or the other about politics, it's a human story. It's a very human story about the haves and the have-nots. It's a very human story about... The sins of the father affecting an entire uh, multi-generations of a bloodline. Right, And, and the results of oppression, the results of tyranny, the results of all that... And not even, they didn't even paint it as, 
you know, this this party is the right one or this party is the wrong one. Mm, or this I is, would you, argue with that. I would push back against that slightly. No, no, no. What, what they're the saying, there's news the, reports. The, but but they're, what I think the movie is saying is that the power of the people and the will of the people is stronger than yes that so i don't see that as a politic thing but just the strength of strength of human beings in general right so that's what that's kind of what i was getting towards okay it wasn't like we're talking about the left is the good guys and the right is the bad guys no the people are the good guys and the oppressors were the bad guys right and so. it it does a lot to try and show us that when you know they are beating this van or throwing rocks through windows mm-hmm. it's the well, you know, sometimes peaceful protests don't fucking work, man. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need to get in there and fucking kill a war criminal. I'll say he did kill a lot of kids uh-huh. and adults. And if you know anything about these, you know what they do is they're just like, uh, if you're too smart, you're going to get taken away in a van. You're your third year of college and you might be a little dangerous because you took poli sci, gone. Uh, your, your wrist is a little limp, gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, what did you say? Gone. Because there's also the fucking plot line of nobody has seen Sarah's father, meaning that it's very heavily implied that the general had him killed. Oh, yeah, he got Fredo'd. Yeah. Yeah, he got, totally got Fredo'd. Because that comes up several times. God, there's so much in this fucking movie. I know, and it's, it's just hard to pin down because once you mention something, six other things, oh, what about this and this and this yeah. and this and this? But, I mean... We give a lot of the movie away, but this is one of those, like, we can't possibly give away how good this movie is. I could literally tell you, um, scene for scene, this movie, and then you could watch it and love it, even though you know every single solitaire word is going to come out of everybody's mouth and every scene that's going to happen, because it, it, I've never said this about a movie before, but there's something magic on that screen when I was watching it. And I was watching a tiny screen. I want to see this fucker on a big screen. I want to see every square fucking inch of this movie on a big goddamn screen. Yeah, it ruled. And it's not for explosions or nothing. It's just the light. everything about this movie was technically amazing. Uh-huh. <sighs> and it's one of those that I've talked about before. There's some movies that are technically good mm-hmm. where the story is shit. Right. And it kind of might fool some people's brains into thinking that it was good. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Mike Flanagan's Haunting of Hill House. <laughs> We're looking at you. Yeah. I got your fucking number, Flanagan. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is, uh, I'm not going to say technically perfect, but mm-hmm. a very technically well-made yes. film with an amazing story to complement it. And, and you- it is fantastic. And the actors and everything is firing on all goddamn cylinders. Well, you made the point, too, about technic- or movies that are technically amazing with not enough story. Well, you get too much or too little story. Yes. This was just exactly the right amount of story. Yeah. They just kind of, you know, gave you a little impressionistic strokes here and there. And then they would paint a big part of the picture and then impressionistic strokes and let you just follow the fuck along. You know what I'm going to compare this to? And I, I think you'll get this. The new Dread with Carl Urban. Yes. It gives you a sense of the outside world, but this, the story itself is contained within this microcosm. That's exactly what it, I was saying. And it draws you into the conflict happening rather than the conflict in the outside world. It's, it's yeah. very big, but very small in its scope. Right, because you know, we think of the megacity. Yep. These things house an entire state. And we're seeing a courtyard. We're seeing a hallway. We're seeing maybe one area across a building. We're not really seeing that much, and most of it's taking part in small rooms. Mm-hmm. And again, the same thing. They, that's great because obviously, I bet you they didn't have a huge budget for this film. I couldn't imagine so. So the fact that they kept it in one spot, but I didn't think about it being there. You know, I did not think about the smallness of the movie because it was so big in my head. Mm-hmm. Wow, people know shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, isn't it incredible how people can know enough to do something like this? Uh huh. So I have trouble fucking. I have trouble right now, coherent and sentence and motherfuckers making this movie. God yeah, damn I know. Him. I get texts from you. Yeah, <laughs> I know how that goes. Yeah, fuck. When, I would just like to have that spark, just one spark of brilliance, just one time to just create something even partially that cool. Uh huh. And like we kind of talked about to take a historical event and kind of just, uh, Hey, I bet you I could throw, uh, this old ghost lore on top of this 
And uh, I bet I could figure that out. And then to do it and then film it in this way is just... Mm. And again, they didn't take Chef's it... kiss, man. They didn't take this and make it into, you know, super villain. And they didn't take it and make like a... Oh, God. What, what they did that with a couple other... Like the boogeyman, you know? It turned him into like this super evil villain as opposed to just if they would have kept with the idea of the boogeyman stealing kids. That would have been spooky as fuck, but they made this big, vicious, you know, big fang thing. Clown. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They did not do that with this. They didn't cheapen it at all. They didn't make La Jarona this big hag. They didn't do anything. It was a very normal looking human being. Mm -hmm. So, wow. Very, very good. I think we could talk about this movie for about another three days. but Yeah, I'm sure we will, but yeah. just between us. God damn. All right. And for uh, a minute there, I thought, because I didn't have anything cogent to say, I just had little bits of ideas. I was like, this might not work as a podcast. And we started talking. Boom. Yeah, because, uh, again, there's not, like, we've said it how many times, there's not much here, but there's everything here. Mm-hmm. It is a... A feast for the uh, a feast for the senses. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know, man. Well, well, <laughs> I'm my fucking rec- running out of steam here. My recommendation this time is see this movie. No or don't. Just see this fucking movie. If you don't like it, you can yell at me. But see this fucking movie. I don't. I don't ever say that. But see this one. It's so fucking good. Yeah, it is. Uh, James, I, what have we got to plug? Because I'm starting to have to pee as well. Uh not Stuff. really a whole lot. I mean, we're we've got our uh, Facebook page. We're on the inner tube. Uh, we've got an aging calendar. The inner tube? Yeah. Uh, we've got an aging calendar that, that you, you can, can just have. Nah, give us a buck. No, don't. I, I want a dollar. Well, then you give James a dollar. I don't want yeah. you. I don't want your fucking money. I'll buy that for a dollar. Oh man, you're welcome. Hell yeah. Yeah. God, I love RoboCop. Me too. Well, want to wrap this bad boy up? And it sucks that my favorite RoboCop is, doesn't even have Peter Weller in it. I know, but still, three. Yeah, three mm. Pete. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. Yeah, stay tuned. We got some Robo th- Cop Three content coming. Boo! Yeah, in a few in a few weeks. We uh, yeah. little little heads up, everybody. That shit happening. Oh hell's yeah! But um, all right. Should we uh, vamos? Indeed, we shall. See how I did that? Uh, it was cute. I, you I tried throwing a, threw in a multicultural. Uh... We would vamanos because there's two of us. Oh, shit. <laughs> Well, the fucking verbs, man. Well, on that note, fuck you, Morris. <laughs> fuck you, Morris. <laughs> yeah, bye, everyone else. Bye. Cast. <laughs>